Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. I just want to share something um, that's been sort of stewing in my life. And uh, yeah, come along for the journey with me. I hope it's, I sincere, God's been speaking to me, I sincerely hope it's for you. There's something for you as well in, in this. Um, Come Feb Fast, and uh, I remember the very first soak night we had during Feb Fast, and it was an awesome night, and, uh, and I was uh, just worshipping God and just waiting on him, and, uh, uh, but I had a bit of an unease about me, and I'm thinking, oh, God, you are so, so good, but our world have so not taken to you or accepted you or come to you in the way that they should and they might. And I felt a bit of unease and, uh, and God put a picture into my head and it was a picture of the spice uh, saffron and I think there's a picture of it there. And uh, saffron, uh, those little, they're called threads, those little things on the flower and they get plucked. What a... Uh, Interesting job that would be going out in the field and just plucking threads. But it's worth doing because it's such an expensive spice. Like, it doesn't weigh anything, so a, a gram of it is way more expensive than gold. And, um, and I, so why have I got this picture of saffron? I'd seen a, something on TV about it, about them harvesting it in Tasmania. No, um, so God, what came to me is that saffron is such... An influential thing. It's a colouring agent. You put a, f- a few threads of it. You go to the supermarket, um, you know, you buy a little test tube with about 10 threads in it. It's, it's seven, eight bucks. Uh, but if I did have some here today and I had a thing of. <laughs> didn't have my wallet. Uh, <laughs> uh, if I had a, a container of hot water and put some of these threads in there, it would totally change the colour of it. You've seen how it changes rice. It makes it all yellowy and uh, and and flavors. So, so God was giving me a bit of a picture of something small changing something big, and uh, of course I was drawn straight away to some parables of Jesus, and uh, the the parable of the mustard seed, and Jesus did parables in twos a lot of the time, the parable of the yeast. And so the message this morning is entitled The Outpour, Outpour is our year this year, The Outpour of the Yeast, The Outpour of the Yeast. And uh, God, God was really impressed upon my heart, that parable of the yeast. Let's just jump to it. Um, Matthew thirteen thirty three, about 25-word parable, but very powerful. This is Jesus speaking. He told them still another... First, he, he did the parable of the mustard seed. And uh, a mustard seed, the people describing in the Bible, they, they had to deal with what they had to deal with. And the mustard seed was the smallest seed they knew at the time. There's now, there's smaller seeds, but they didn't know that. So they used, he used the parable of the mustard seed that a man went and planted and became a big mustard tree. And then... then uh, this second parable, they had to use what they had, the smallest thing they had. You look in Revelation, look at the prophecies and you look at some of the big beasts and birds and things and you think that's probably 
describing in the prophetic modern warplanes or tanks or things like that, but they were describing what they could. You can't get smaller than a mustard seed, so that's what the kingdom of heaven is like, a mustard seed. Matthew thirteen thirty three told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into around 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. So the man's out planting the mustard seed and now the woman's inside with the yeast and the dough. And Luke 13 says almost exactly the same thing, verse 20, 21. Again he asks, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? What, with what they know, could they compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. I was a little excited to share this message uh, today because uh, I, I thought right back from Feb Fast that when, and when Pastor Steve invited me to speak, and uh, it was a great honour, that I would speak on this, but I was just saying, God, you know, just reassure, reassure. And uh, just very quickly, I was away a few weeks ago visiting family. And uh, I was away and visiting a, a down in South Australia and my mum wasn't well, so she didn't go to church. And my usual thing is to go take her to church where she goes. It's a great church. So I was on the loose, so I went to a different church, a bit random, went to a different church Go in there and I'm, th- I'm just thinking on this all the time and lo and behold, the guy gets up and speaks on the parable of the yeast out of, uh, and do the maths, 30,000 verses in the Bible. Uh, the week that I could be there, the actual church that I could be there that I wasn't meant to, that I wouldn't usually go to, I was just really encouraged. That's not to... To build me up, but just to let you know, I'm going to speak with a bit of authority today because God has spoken to me. He has to have had because for me to get that. So um, here we go. Here's a a pretty lame visual aid today. (laughs) This is it. How good. Uh, I've got two kilograms of plain flour here and a sachet of yeast. Um, So that's how we sort of make bread. Now, uh, this lady here, it's significant that this parable was done in two Gospels, wasn't it? Two Gospels, so, you know, it's important. It's, it's got a run more than once, so there's something significant in that. Um, yeast, what's yeast's purpose? Its main purpose is to grow and to change whatever it comes in contact with. That's the purpose of yeast. And, of course, this person here, she's having a real crack. She's mixing in about 60 pounds. So that's, uh, that would be about 13 or 14 of these uh, containers of flour would be 60 pounds of yeast. Enough, to, enough bread, enough food for probably 100 people. Um, so, and this yeast, she had some yeast. I have... That is getting dusty there now. Uh, Its main purpose is to grow and change whatever it comes in contact with. And what the kingdom of heaven is like is something small influencing so much, influencing so much. 
And they're, they're um, not discouraged me, but a little frustrated me saying, God, why, why aren't you just, you know, blanket covering this city and just wholesale people coming to you? And he gave me this, this picture of yeast, of a mustard seed and of yeast influencing and pervading and affecting a whole, whole lot of bread. Now, I just want to clear up. People who want to study the Bible and the scriptures, they'll say, well, yeast, doesn't that actually talk about sin? And in a lot of scriptures, Jesus warns about sin, yeast or leaven. He says, warned about the the leaven of the Pharisees, you know, uh, he warned about sin being like a yeast that just affects your whole life. But that's what we are talking about here is, is yeast that the effect of the yeast. We're not going to get hung up on whether it's talking, whether yeast always talks about sin and stuff. We're going to talk about the effect because the kingdom of heaven isn't yeast, it is like yeast. The kingdom of heaven is like this. Two visual aids. One, two, plus the bag. (laughs) So the kingdom of heaven is like that. So what does that say? Say to us. What does that say to us? By the way, I, uh, on that, um, this revelation came to me at that soap night and I was writing furiously and I did wrote all this stuff and did the right thing and whacked it in one of the holes over there. So there's some good notes over there if someone wants to go looking <laughs> at some stage. <sighs> they were really good, but I think I've got it basically covered. <laughs> all right. So some points for us about yeast, about this parable. And you, us, is where this starts. This is where it starts. Luke 17, 20 to 22. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, See here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. So the first and foremost... The very first work of the yeast is in our own life, okay? I got a revelation about this other, but the first first effect is in our own life. The message of the gospel comes in, we receive it. It goes into our life, the flower is our life, and it starts to permeate and it starts to change us and it starts to affect us until, and if you know how yeast works, it goes all the way to the edge, doesn't it? It goes all the way to the edge. You put the stuff aside and it does its work. So the first work is in our own lives. That's the first point to remember. So it's us where it starts for. For us, it starts with salvation. And, um, you know, the influence of the kingdom from within us, that seed, that yeast, that whatever, start, it changes us from the inside out. It starts to work in our lives. You know, our pastors have been preaching messages, haven't they? Great messages, getting deeper in our relationship, getting deeper to acknowledge and, and to listen to what's going on, what, 
what's inside us, the deposit that God's, God's put inside us straight away and already, listen to that, focus on that and allow it to move out and to work in our lives. Really great, really great. They are doing a, a wonderful job in this year of outpour because it starts here. The outpour starts in us. And we've got to allow the work to continue. You know, there's, there's the kingdom of heaven at work in our own lives because the king says, Jesus said the kingdom's within you. We've got to allow it to continue to work, okay? It's got to continue to do its work in our lives. And unlike yeast, which you can tell when you have a look at it, you say, it's done. It's the flowers sorted. Now we can give it a bit of a rough up and then in the tin to go in the oven. But God's going to be working for all of our life, which is great. The next point, each other. One Corinthians chapter three says, and this is Paul speaking, speaking to the Corinthian church, and they were pretty, they were they were a bit naughty, they weren't getting things right. So Paul talks to them, and they're getting just about everything wrong, and uh, they were arguing about all sorts of things. And Paul says, okay, this is how people come to know God. What, after all, is Apollos? This is another guy. And what about Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. They are something, but Paul's really trying to get these Corinthians. They were just out there and, and putting themselves right up there. And he's saying, well, okay, if, Paul, if I can say me and Apollos are nothing, you guys take note. You need to humble yourselves a little bit. Uh, but is, but the, neither one who plants or the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labour. Great. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. So we plant and we water. And what I love about that analogy is there's a team effort there. There's a team effort. There's someone sowing. There's another watering. And it's a, it's a build-up of things, isn't it? It's a build-up of things. I, uh, I really wanted to, um, discreetly, because we're on tape, but to uh, single out a couple of people this morning, but they're not here at this service. But I might just, uh, might just do that anyway. Um, over here at the base, there's a guy who's probably stood here more often than anyone over the years. You know, I'm talking about a young fella. Yeah. And uh, I was talking to him... Oh, no, I was talking to someone who's coached this guy in sport uh, and um, the coach was just glowing in his praise of this guy and how he conducts himself in that sporting club and how, uh, you know, blokes in a club, you know, it's, a, it's quite an environment, I'll tell you. But how he, that doesn't bother, he doesn't go for that. He, he stays to, for who he is. And for me, that is just so encouraging 
to hear that out in the community about people who love Jesus, people from our church who are staying the course and are doing stuff. And uh, what that does is he, he's sown something there, that guy, and someone else can water something. Like someone can talk to someone who's seen that experience and say, well, I can add a bit to that. You know what I'm saying? It's a building process. It's a build process. So good. So good. It, how better that we build the kingdom rather than be divided and divisive and tear each other apart. In contrast, I was at a school re- reunion of my old primary school. It was 150 years old the other week. And um, it was down in South Australia and uh, um, they had the, the presentations outside. They opened a time capsule and they had speeches and stuff like that. But at the very moment that all of that started, and we were outside and we were dodging the weather, it rains all the time down there, but we dodged it. The very moment, the next door neighbour starts up his chainsaw while the, and the, and the PA is not, not is struggling a bit as it is, and 150-year-old school, there was some of us hearing might not be what it was years ago. So, up going, and he starts chopping his big pine tree down, right, while all the, and surely he can see that there's uh, 300 cars next door, there's something going on next door. And I just said, my sister and I were there and we thought, oh, gee, we wonder if there's a bit of history there, a bit of enmity between the neighbour and the school and, you know, someone saying this isn't right and the other saying, oh, I don't agree with that. I just, I just wonder. I'd like to give the guy a benefit of the doubt. But um, how much better to be united and one than being apart? And, uh, and so liberating for us when we want to see see the kingdom grow is to see that let's do it together. Let's work together. Yeah. Um, Pastor Adrian did a great message last week from Psalm 34. Glorify the Lord with me. Let's do it together. Let's do these things together. So we can be teams. We can be like half of my... No, that's another point. I'm not going to go there. Um, be a team. How do we how do we grow the kingdom? Let's let's be teams. Let's get together and pray with people. Or don't even have to get together. Let's you know they talk about prayer triplets and three people with three names of people to pray for, and you share the names. You don't don't even have to meet together, but three of you are praying for nine people. We've got people there on the board that. Uh, that someone's put there as a need, but we're all praying. We're all praying together. So let's. So it's each other. It's done in relationship. Someone plants, someone waters. God, God brings the increase. Okay, moving along. All powerful and all loving God. Y e a. Getting it? Yes. <laughs> John six forty four. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up on the last day. You know, the Father heart of God is to draw people to himself, is to draw people. There's a stat that apparently 49% of people in Australia 
are open to a spiritual conversation. They're open to having a spiritual conversation. Is that low or high to you? I thought that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. A lot of people, if it's faith, they want to keep it very much themselves, particularly if they don't have faith. Uh, but 49% are open to a spiritual conversation. You know, people are dealing with life, aren't they? They're dealing with disappointment. They're dealing with dreams that haven't worked out. They're dealing with loneliness. They're dealing with expectations that, that haven't been met. And there's an all-powerful, all-loving God that wants to draw them. Us writing names on a piece of paper and putting them there is us stepping into the game and saying, God, can we have your attention, please, about this person? We want to pray for this person. Now, Jesus was very patient with people, wasn't he? He was really patient, you know. Some he, he dealt with as they deserved, but, but someone who was needy, he was patient. He's drawing people to himself. I just want to refer to the words of that song that was done before. I can see your heart eight billion different ways. Every precious one, a child, you died to save. If you gave, if you gave your life to love them, so will I. Like you would again a hundred billion times, but what measure could amount to your desire? You're the one who never leaves, the one behind. He's all powerful. He's all powerful and he's all loving. Habakkuk 2.14 says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. He's powerful. He's powerful to move. We just call on him. Oh, Father God. Reveal yourself and, and move powerfully in our world. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. <laughs> we, and we feel alone. Oh, sorry, it's the next point. Uh, the next point is small. <laughs> small. This is where I probably got my most revelation. Not, don't disregard everything else I've said, but this, is, <laughs> this was... <laughs> Okay, small is how it's designed to begin. What's really struck me is the kingdom of heaven can sometimes be like this. No, the kingdom of heaven is, is like this. Small beginning, small beginning. The kingdom of heaven is like this, is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in around 60 pounds of flour. You know, I think small has hurt. If I'm honest, small as a Christian has hurt me at times in my life. Because if you, if you come from a small church uh, that's, you know, working away, battling away in a large community, you can feel a bit isolated and small, can't you? And I think that's hurt me at times if I, if I look back at my younger days and, uh, and whenever. Um, number one, that, that point about God outworking through us. He hadn't done as much as, as he needed to at that stage. So that made me timid as a follower of Jesus. Now I'm a, a lot more bold. But also hurt by thinking we're alone. There's not, not many of us. 
But we can be heartily encouraged that the kingdom of heaven is like this. It starts with something small. So if you're small, if you're in the small spot, that is good. Because that's the kingdom of heaven. It starts with small. We seem outnumbered. We seem out overwhelmed. But there's exceeding power on our side if we can grasp it and see it. You know, to be unique is not a problem. To be outnumbered is not a problem. It's not a problem because it starts small. And it will always, there'll always be a smallness about it. Even when, when this is affected and we've become large, um, then we branch off to small again and, and so that we spread out and multiply. Do, anyone ever eat that friendship cake? Have it, there was something used to, it used to be called a friendship cake. It had yeast in it and uh, someone would give you this, this yeast. I didn't pay much attention to it but yeah, it grew and then you halved it off and gave it to someone else and then it grew again and I don't know where it all finished. It <laughs> should have taken over the world by now, the, the, the friendship cake. But uh, <laughs> there should be no room left for us. But, but start small again. Like we get big and then we start small again. You know, we branch out into new areas. We, churches get planted, overseas missions. Um, we we tr- seek to reach a new people group. It starts small. That's what the kingdom is like. The final point is, um, yeah, that, that just really blew me away. I don't know why I'd never seen it that way, but the kingdom is like that. And the mustard seed, the same, same. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. So let's not be discouraged about small beginnings. Let's not be discouraged about things being small and not not taking off straight away. Sorry, next point. Uh, the, The final point is time. Is time. Yeast works its way through. Yeah, it all says yeast. How about that? <laughs> a few dodgy, few dodgy headlines. They weren't my first choice headlines, but yeah, <laughs> you make it fit. <laughs> One Peter two twelve. This is from Pastor Adrian last week. Live honourable lives as you mix with unbelievers, even though they accuse you of being evil doers, for they will see your beautiful works. And have a reason to glorify God in the day he visits us. Unbelievers, they'll, they'll start by accusing you of being evildoers. But they'll see your beautiful works and have a reason to glorify God in the day he visits us. Yeast takes time. I know a, a, a farmer client of mine, he's got a, he races trotting horses and most of them have been duds. And uh, his son, for Christmas, got him a, a, a framed picture of his, one of his horses. And he was really having a go at his dad. But he said, champions take time. <laughs> because this horse had done nothing and never was going to be doing anything. But champions, they take time, okay? It's going to take some time. It's going to finish last another 500 times before. <laughs> but yeast takes time. If it stays long enough, things change. 
it'll work through the whole of the dough. The whole of the dough will be affected. So live honourable lives as you mix with unbelievers. There's a bit of a tempo thing here, isn't it? And I think some of us sometimes wrestle with, you know, where's my, where do I fit? Like, do I get out and evangelise, go hard, really push, push, push? Or I know some people, they've taken that scripture that says live quiet and peaceable lives. It might even be this one in another temp, in another version. And they've taken that to mean let's withdraw out of society. We haven't got to do much evangelising then. Let's just live quiet, peaceable lives. People will, people will respect us and, and so forth. Well, yes, they might, but we've got to be living amongst people. And I think there's a tempo we need to find. And like some people have a gift of evangelism and they have no compunction about just bowling up to someone. And because it's a gift, that someone responds just like that, which is amazing. So there's a tempo to be had, isn't there? There's times for us to speak up. There's times for us to, to just live our life. We can start by being friendly. Live a friendly life, eh? Live a friendly, interested life, interested in people. You know, even the ones who, uh, who are a bit narky towards you, you know, when, you, when they serve you in a shop or something, you know, are they having a bad day? Or what, what, what are they a product of in their life? Just be nice. Be nice. Be friendly. There's a good start, isn't it? And ask God to help you work out the tempo of whether you're pushing hard or not enough. Is that good? A couple of takeaways just as we finish. You've been great this morning, guys. Um, use whatever circumstance. Use whatever circumstance. You know, 1 Corinthians 9, Paul was great at this. The Apostle Paul was great at this. Though I am free and belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like under the law. Though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, that are, he goes on, to the weak, to win the weak. I've become all things, verse 22, to all people. So that by all possibilities, possible means, I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessing. We might not have Paul's full range or repertoire of skill set, but we've got a lot of skills. Don't get my word we have. We've all got a lot of skills to be all things to all people, to relate to different people. God, give me wisdom to relate to different people. Just, we relate. Paul was in chains a lot of the rest of his life. What do you reckon he was doing in chains? Sitting there glumly, chained to people? No, they were copping the gospel. They were hearing the gospel full, full bore from the Apostle Paul. So good. Yeah. And finally, one final point as the, as the team come. The fruit of the Spirit is love, which does compel us. I've mentioned that, but one scripture to finish. 2 Corinthians 5, 11 and 14. 
Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. Thanks for joining today. It would be so awesome to see you at church this Sunday. If you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website, riveredgechurch.com.au.